are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I will speak to you tonight from Psalm 40, entitled The Message the lifting, the lifting. And we read about that in Psalm 40, where this man in a pit, needing a lift, needing to be rescued, said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. And from this account, it's sure to see, can readily see, that a man is in a deep pit, pitiful situation, needing a lift, needing to be rescued. I guess as you think about a pit, of which maybe this psalmist is talking about, could be a literal pit kind of like the one that Joseph's brethren in Genesis chapter 31 put him in because they were envious of Joseph, their brother. And they called him the dreamer because he had shared some things that he dreamed about in his relationship with God and with his family and the world. And so they saw him coming, and the Bible says in verse 24 of Genesis 31, they took him and cast him into a pit, physically a pit, probably a great hole deep in the ground where they could put that brother and he couldn't get out, although when we read the story, they pulled him out and sold him off into Egypt. Spiritually, when you look at this account, as I was talking about it to the pastor a few minutes ago, there are great truths from, you can, from which you can draw one truth without disturbing convenient doctrine and biblical emphasis that you might think. There's always one primary interpretation of any scripture. But you also can draw great conclusions and great truths from them. I have drawn at least two truths that could apply to this man in a pit. Certainly, it can mean a man that is lost. We can see that picture coming forth. A man that's lost in the mud, 
in the mire, as it were, of his own sin, his own condition, unable to get out of that. The only way to get out of that, the only person that could get him out of that is the Lord, for he is the only one in the saving business. The Lord's hand is the one that reaches way down into the pit in which we were born in order to pull us up and so that we might save so it's like what David said in the psalm when he said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So this one born or in a pit in a sin is a picture certainly of one who has been born into life and yet unsaved but needing a lift that only the Lord can give only the rescue that can come from his hand that reaches down and through the cross of Calvary. But there's another truth that you can draw and you can apply this truth to this person into the pit. Into the pit. And in the pit you'll find it could be a saved person. Uh, not, a, not an unsaved man or an unsaved person, but the Christian man who has already been lifted out of that sit, that pit in which he was born. But since now being saved and given a new life in Christ, he is that one that is now in a pit or a pitiful condition again, not lost, not back in that birth pit, but in a pit and in a pitiful condition in which he has made for himself that Christian who has dug the pit, the pitiful condition that they're in right now. And I believe the Bible wears that analogy out for the Bible says in Psalm 7 in verse 15, he made a pit and digged it and is fallen into the ditch which he made. In the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 10 and verse 8, the Bible says, He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. How many times over these years of preaching and pastoring, both as a pastor, as an evangelist, traveling across the land, how many times in the church of which I pastored, I've had my member say to me, maybe at the coming forth of an invitation after a message, say to me, many times weeping at the altar, preacher, man, I'm in the pits. Man, I, I'm in a pitiful, miserable condition. I, I, I'm just away from God. I decided after being saved through the years, you know, I decided I could handle a little bit of sin. But I realized later I was just digging a, another pit to get into, digging another miserable place to get in my life. Preacher, I'm saved. I know the Lord. But I felt I've left off reading my Bible like I started when I first got saved. I thought that part-time going to church now would certainly be enough, would be all right for me. And so I've gotten away from prayer life and, you know, I've gotten away of touching the world or having the world to touch my life a little more. 
And I began to weaken my life. My spiritual life began to weaken. And I suddenly realized I was digging the own mess. Preacher, I don't have anybody to blame for the mess I'm in. And many times the mess I've put my family in, I don't have anybody to blame for it just myself. I'm responsible for it. For I've realized that you can dig your own pit again and get back in it. But it's also good to say to that person and say to them, you know, that means that God still loves you. Doesn't leave you, love your sin. He doesn't love your backslidings. He doesn't love you giving up part, your full time worship God or reading your Bible. But God still loves you. You just need a, a new lift. And God is the one that can lift. And God is the one that can forgive. And God is the one that can encourage you. So many a Christian, I think, like this man, could be in a pit tonight, in the pits of life, as they have so often said. I read some time ago of a humorous, I think, somewhat humorous testimony of a man who described his experience in a pit. And he said it like this. The day I was born, I was born in a horrible pit of sin. And then a subjective person came along and looked into my pit, my pitiful situation and said unto me, it's logical someone like you would be in a pit. But then a Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you're in a pit. Well, a Pharisee passed by and said, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician came by and wanted me to calculate how I got into the pit. Then a fatalist walked by and said, you deserve that pit. And then a Buddhist passed by and said, the pit's only a state of mind. A, real, a realist passed by and stopped in and looked and said, that's a pit. A geologist passed by and wanted me to calculate the rock status while I was in the pit. A county inspector passed by and wanted to know if I had a permit to be in the pit. <laughs> a self-pitying person passed by and said, you haven't seen a fit pit till you've seen mine. <laughs> An optimist passed by and said, Things are going to get better while you're in the pit, but they never do until he passes by. And thank God when that thief hung on the cross and he cried out to the Lord and said, remember me today when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus didn't pass him by that day. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, what sweet words to be said in the dying hour before you got fixing to go out into eternity without God to hear the message. Today, you'll be with me. And of course, if you're with me, you're all right. Anytime you're with him, you're going to be all, all right. I think of that time when I read in the Bible about Bartimaeus. I know he was saying forever after that day, 
I'm glad he didn't pass me by. I'm glad he didn't stop and just put something in my cup. I'm glad he did more than put something in my cup. I'm glad that he gave me eyesight. That was the thing that I needed was eyesight. And thank God Jesus didn't pass him by that day. And thank God for the day that you and I made our prayer. We made our cry after somebody, somehow, we heard about the good news of salvation and being saved. And we made our cry to salvation. Lord, hear my prayer. Save me. Forgive my sins. I accept you as my personal Savior. Aren't you glad tonight he heard you and didn't pass you by? We see when we look into this man's situation uh, that uh, then came the rescue and then came the lifting according to the scripture. God didn't pass him by. Not only did, and this is an important key in this portal of the scripture, not only did the Lord hear his cry, but that wasn't getting the lifting that he needed. That was not getting the rescue that he needed. The key to getting the lifting for you and for me and for this man who got his lifting out of that pit was the one word in Psalm 40 when the psalmist said in that cry, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined. That's the key word. Not only to hear our prayer, but feel inclined to reach down to help him inclined to reach down to you and to me to help me. How many times have I or you used that word before in relation to helping or not helping a person or a business or whatever in a pitiful situation? How many times have I've had said to me, preacher, why did you help that guy? I said, well, I just felt inclined to do it. Or why didn't you? Why did you not help that person? I just didn't feel inclined to do that. And the word inclined is that word of meaning that reaching out with a heart of understanding, with compassion, with the intent to do something. The reason that I'm saved tonight and the reason you're saved tonight, not only that he heard our prayer, but that he answered it feeling inclined to reach down and to help us. Before that, we were in a mess. But thank God, he was inclined to go to Calvary. He was inclined to reach down and to help us so you and I are saved. And you and I ought to join in again with Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 17 where I have in my Bible, I keep it marked in my Bible, I need to go back and keep reading that over and over again when Isaiah said, Behold for peace, I had great bitterness, but thou 
surpassing love to my soul, delivered it from the pit of corruption. Thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. He shouts praise unto the Lord. Let's not forget the lifting that we got and the answer to the prayer that we got. He said, he brought me up also out. He brought me up. Aren't you glad tonight for the day that you can look back and say, thank God he brought me up. Thank God I'm on the upside of things right now. I'm established in the family of God. I look into the situation of this man again and the good part begins to happen again. Not only the hearing, not only that he's inclined to help him, but he now, we see the planting that he got, as well as the lifting that he got, the planting that he got on a rock, but not just any rock, a rock now planting with a new way of life that has already and now established for him. Keep in mind, as we read the book of the Revelation, we're assured of that when he lifted us up and when he lifted that man up out of the pit, that he would not plant him down and he would not plant us down on the rock, the Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, plant us down in the family of God without washing us. For we had been in the mud and the mire of our lives, a fallen sinful life, like this man was in the mud, in the mire, in the muck of things and everything that he said was a horrible pit things that could have come in, could have been thrown in, no, what, no matter what was thrown in, out of the slop, the mud, and the mire of that pit, he lifted him up out of that, probably dripping with whatever was left and thrown in that, the mud and the mire of his life. He would not put him down until he washed him. <laughs> the Bible says, for you and for me, in Revelation chapter 1, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Thank God there are some churches still like this one that still believes in singing the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins that sinners are plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. And so there was that washing before the planting upon that rock. And by ladies and gentlemen, when he lifted him up and when he lifted you and lifted me up over that pit, dripping with the guilt of sin, headed for a godless eternity, he would not take us over here 
or leave us in there, he would take us over here, but not leave us hanging over that pit. I'm glad that I believe the Bible when it says I give unto them eternal security. When he lifted him up out of the pit, he washed him clean and he didn't leave him hanging. He did not leave us hanging over that pit and tell us now, if you hold on and if you hang on, you won't go back in. No, 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 no. We don't have to worry about, thank God, we don't have to worry about hanging on and hanging in and, and holding out. You know why? Because we're held in. We're held in. We don't have to hold on. We, of course, are, we're held in the hand that we're sealed in the hand of God with the blessed Holy Spirit of God. Hey, we're not hanging over the pit anymore unless we want to make a new one to get into. Thank God we've been planted. We've been established on the rock, even the Lord Jesus Christ. He hath established my way in. His way I ought to go, and this is the new life that you ought to be going in. He has established for the child of God the way that he ought to go in life. The Bible says this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, my way. Not your choice about the way you ought to live, how much of God you ought to keep in your life. He said, this is the established way, this is the highway, this is the road that you ought to be on. You're on now and you ought to go. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The psalmist said this in Psalm 143. He said, Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. And when you have the guide of the blessed Holy Spirit, and when you have this old Bible that Dr. King gave me 20 years ago, I preach out of that tonight. I preach out of it all of the time as I travel. Our question is, and our challenge is, is not to decide which way of life and how much of the Christian life that we are to go in. That's not the choice that we have. Our choice is either to go his way or don't. That's all there is to it. God said, this is the way, walk ye in it. And he has already told us in the book of Jeremiah and by the Amen of the Holy Spirit from that scripture in the Bible that the old path is the way that you ought to go. I've established the way you ought to go. And that way is on the old path. I've been on that old path. I like that old path. I found out that what God said is true about the old path, that that is the good way. Because that is the good way that God said, if you walk on the old path, I'll walk with you. I'll, I'll go with you. 
all of the way. And that way is the good way. It's the right way. It's called the old path. I like that. The old path. We're called, I'm called these days, since then I am getting older, a little older, not old yet, but I'm getting older. <laughs> not too old yet. I'm getting older. They say to me, you know, this new crowd says to me, he said, uh, you're one of those old preachers. I said, yeah, you better hope you get as old as I am. They said, you're one of those old preachers uh, out of that old school. I said, yeah, I'm out of that old school and school ain't out yet, honey. <laughs> School's not out yet. We still ought to be walking in the old path and going the old way. And by the way, I say to them, yes, I'm out of the old school. School's not out yet. But let me tell you one thing. The helmet of salvation I put on many years ago and the feet that I got shod with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the shield that was given me and the sword that was given me sharp then is still as sharp now that it's ever been. Don't mess with an old man with a sharp sword. The old path. That's what the Bible says, the old path. And not only that, have you ever stopped to think, if you walk on the path that he established for you along the way, that you'll find that on the old path, there's a lamp for your feet and a light for your pathway. Because he is the light of the world. And so thank God when you say, listen, Lord, I'm going to take the road that you told me to take. I'm going to take the life that you have ordained for me to take. And I'm going to walk in the old path. And I'm going to have that lamp for my feet because God's concerned about the stepping that you take. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He's concerned about just every step that you and I have to take. And boy, we've got a lamp for that and a light for our pathway to light the path along the way. But on top of that, he said, I'll, I'll send this for you to help you on my established way. I'll send the Holy Spirit and he'll guide you and he'll lead you in the right way. Boy, you got to really want to go wrong. You really got to want to dig a new pit for your life when you want to get away from God. The lamp that we need, the light that we need, and the things that we need that he's promised for us on life. And then I was looking at the rest of the scripture at what was promised for that man who gets the lifting. He gets also a new song put in his heart. He said on top of that, while you're going, he said, I know there'll be, just because you're a child of God and a Christian, doesn't mean that you won't have to deal with potholes along the way, but I got a lamp for that. You won't have to worry about where the path is leading because I've got a light out there for you for that. 
But he said, while you're going and the things you have to deal with are the heartaches along the way, he said, I'm going to give you a new song. That's what he told him. He said, he has, he has put a new song in my heart. Have you ever stopped to think, ladies and gentlemen, I, I thought for years I tried to define that into one song that we could always sing. But then I come to this conclusion, really, this is Hancock theology, believe it or not, but I like it, so I'm happy with it. It's a song for me that has many stanzas to it that we can sing no matter what we encounter as we go through life. All of the headaches, the sorrows, the heartaches, the battles we go through, the losses that we have to sustain. I, go in, I went into the songbooks and began to look at how God touched in a very special way like the great singers that have put songs in our heart to just help us along the way. When in the depths of a sorrow and a heartache, then I heard my friend whom I had in my church to preach for me, the great Charles Weigel, as he out of his sorrow and heartache, he had a song that God had given him. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. And Weigel said, as I talked personally with him about many things, and we were in meetings together with that great old general, and he would tell me of the song that he wrote and how he come to write it out of his deepest hour of heartache and heartbreak. God gave him a song. He gave him a stanza. And Weigel got up that night, went back to his piano, and sit down in the depths of sorrow, a road probably having to deal with a wife that had left him. He sat down at the piano and wrote, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. He has given us a song. <clears throat> There's a new song in my heart since Jesus set me free. Boy, I can sing that at times. And there are times <clears throat> in the battles of life, in the heartaches of life, in the battles that I feel like I don't know whether I'm going to come out on the winning side of this or not. Then I think of another stanza of that song when we face the hardest, difficult battles, whether we're going to be on the winning side or not. And I think of that song. Yeah, I'm on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. No more out in sin will I abide. Well, I've enlisted in the fight for the cross and for the right and praise the Lord. I am on the winning side. Thank God for a new song in your heart. I may not sing it well, but brother, I'm going to sing it. And walking through the valley, maybe in the shadow, the wife and I at our age, we we sit down and we just honestly talk about it and say, honey, I, 
probably go before you do. She says to me, said, no, you won't. Said, I'll go before you do. And so we argue now over who's going first. <laughs> we, 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 we can't get it settled now who's going first. I said, I'll probably go first. She says, no, you're not going first. I'll go first for you. And so at that time when we got into that first argument about that, I was headed, headed invited. We were both invited to go to California to preach. And I said, uh, we'll go. She said, I'm not getting on that airplane. I said, well, honey, just think about this. She said, they go down. I said, well, if they do go down, we can at least, at least this argument will get settled. We'll both go together. She said, you go ahead first then if you want to. <laughs> I said, thanks a lot. <laughs> but I'll still have a song if I go first. I'll say, I'll see you in the morning. By the bright riverside. And if I do go first, then I'll walk, if, walk off into the sunlight and into the sunrise of glory to that place he's gone to prepare for us. So there's always, you got a song. For the child of God, if you let him establish the way you ought to go, don't choose part of it. Take all of it. Take all the prayer time you can get in. Take all the Bible reading you get and take in. Take all the church services you can get in. Just take everything because I don't care what we meet, there will always be that song that you can sing. But the Lord is so good and he is so gracious to us, not only to cleanse us, not only to wash us up, not only to give us a lamp and give us a light for the pathway, give us the Holy Spirit to guide us. He sends this. Can you believe the goodness of the Lord? He said, now on top of all of that, I'm going to send goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life. I knew it. I believed it. When I got up this morning at six o'clock, goodness and mercy hadn't slept all night. It was waiting on me to get out of bed. And then I started making my walk for the day. And goodness and mercy was back there. 
just in case I needed it. Goodness and mercy. He said, this is going to follow you all the days of your life on the journey that I have established for you. So I felt good about that. But I'll tell you, there have been times in my life and your life when I even felt better that day. Because there was days when I was carrying and got up because the load was still there. And the heartache and the loss that I had sustained by a loved one dying or a loss of some sort was still there. And the load was still heavy when I got up. This is probably Hancock theology, but I like it, so I believe it. Preacher, I think God sent goodness and mercy not just to follow us, but to follow us for a reason. And that reason was that somewhere along my path and somewhere along my journey, there was going to be a time when it seemed like I would never make it. And at that time, I think God says to mercy and to goodness, now today, I not only want you to follow, but I want you to catch up with him. Preacher, can you help me? Brother Dutry, can you help me? Would you come up here and help me? Now, I'm not pastor. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm asking you to do that. Could you help me? If you'll just turn around right like that, preacher, just for a little bit. Would you come right back here? You be mercy. I'll be goodness. All right. <laughs> God is saying, he's got a load today. Nobody knows that his church don't know it, but he's got a load today and he's got a heartache. Goodness, I want you to catch up with him today. This is the day I want you to catch up with him. I want to love on him a little bit. I want to do something. He needs a little extra help today for the day. How many times, preacher, I guess you and me, he's caught up with me. Oh, yeah. He helped me just when I needed help real bad. That's right. My heart was so heavy. My load was so heavy. Even when I got up to go to church that morning, my load was heavy. But he knew I needed some goodness. Something good to happen to him. To love on him a little bit. Because I knew I had to go and he knew he had to go because he knew and I knew that there were people out there coming that they needed something from God. And they probably was hurting maybe worse than I. And I needed to be there. And God loved on me a little bit and loved on you a little bit and helped you. And when you got there, you got that help. And God blessed you through it. Amen. And then there were times, thank you, preacher, you to stay there. 
But there have been times in my ministry and in my Christian life that I didn't deserve goodness catching up to me. But mercy was back there also. And God has said, now today, he really don't need mercy, but <laughs> mercy catch up with him. I'm going to give him some mercy today. <laughs> How many times in your life and my life have you gone through the battles and the heartaches and some of those you wasn't quite sure you were going to make it. But you did. Goodness caught up with you. God loved on you a little bit in a special way and he has his own way of touching a life and in being encouraged through something, something in a very special way. And you and I could all testify, testify tonight that there were so many times in our lives with dealing with the great problems of life that we thought we'd never make it through this one. But God loved us, kept on loving us, and sent goodness to help us along the way. It could be tonight that this might be a good night to realize how much God has loved on us even when we didn't deserve it, he loved on us and helped us through it. Boy, what a good night for a church to have a time when they just go to the old altar and just love on God a little while and say, Lord, you sent such goodness on my life, my marriage, my family. It's time for me to return some of that goodness. And I can return some of that goodness to you and love on you by making a better life of my Christian life. And Lord, I just want to get to this old altar tonight if I don't do anything else but just tell you I love you tonight. You said you'd be here where in the midst of only two or three are gathered together, you'd be here. And if you're here, I just want to tell you before I go home, I love you tonight. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.